Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. Now, welcome back to Canucks After Dark, barely after dark tonight. A nice early, breezy 8 p.m. showtime. Hope you're all doing well. Coming fresh off of a Canucks win against the Chicago Blackhawks. As always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I am great, Parker. And speaking of coming fresh off of something, didn't I just see you on another stream about two minutes ago? Yeah, we. Uh, there's no time to rest here today. We went straight from the Parker's Pucks Canucks post-game show yeah. into yeah. this, about two minutes of gap between them. Um, I, we, I'm organized, I think. I'm, I'm clicking things as we go, but I think we're going to be okay. Well, you're coming fresh from uh, your own uh, post game. I'm coming fresh from a family dinner. That's why I have the dad look tonight. But I hope uh, I hope the viewers don't mind tonight bringing nice. some uh, some some respectability. Not that you don't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wearing a t-shirt. Um, we've got uh, quite a bit to talk about tonight because in the last week, uh, quite a few things have happened. If yeah, we haven't lost know. we haven't lost in regulation in the last week. We That's haven't lost. Good. The Canucks have not lost in regulation. Uh, the Canucks also hired a general manager in the last week, which we haven't talked about yet. Um, they played four games. Yeah. Um, there's trade rumors flying. We talked a little bit about JT Miller last week, but now names like Connor Garland are in the mix. Um, we've got the all-star game to preview. I know you're excited about that. I know you're an avid all-star game watcher. Um, did you see, before we get started, do you see what they, they're doing for part of the skills competition? Uh, no, tell me, tell me, educate they, me, Parker. For the skills competition, they are doing two outdoor events. It's in Vegas. So they are going to take eight players by boat into the Bellagio fountains <laughs> to shoot pucks through the fountains at targets. And uh, another one is they, they're playing blackjack, inaccuracy shooting with a big blackjack board where you have to shoot pucks to make 21. Okay. Um, which is very fun and very, uh, I, that came out today and I thought it was really interesting. So very um, Vegas centric, obviously. So oh, what happens yeah. when the when the All Star Game is say in uh, wherever Columbus? What are they going to do? Oh, there, oh, there's nothing to do there. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if Columbus has. They have a cannon, uh, just cannon related things, maybe. Sure, uh, sure. Some war reenactments, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> very good. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's do our normal thing where we sort of go over the last week and honestly. Yeah. Normally we start with the la the first game, but this game just happened. I think we start yeah. with the game that the Canucks just had, which I haven't edited uh, the score yet. It was three. Uh, no, this is the, it's the wrong game. That was Vancouver, Nashville, three, Chicago, one banner up. All right. The Very Canucks, good. The Canucks take down the Blackhawks three to one in uh, not a very exciting game other than like the first six minutes. Yeah. This was slightly more exciting than the Saturday game. Thank goodness. But at the same time, I don't know about you. I, I remember I was watching from the keg, so I was barely paying attention. But it never seemed like the Canucks were in danger of losing this game. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, they played actually a really good defensive game. It felt like they sort of lulled the Blackhawks down. <laughs> they took all the energy out of that arena. Like it's a road game in one of the most excitable arenas in hockey, right? The United Center. Yeah. Um, sure, the Blackhawks are kind of bad right now, but they that that crowd was dead tonight like there was no excitement there was no energy uh canucks score once in the first once in the second 
Uh, and the Blackhawks just never, it never really felt like they were going to get back in it. Halak was playing well. The defense yep. was keeping everything to the outside. He's just yep. kind of a, it was one of those games where they just went in, did what they had to do, and they're out. That's true. I'm not sure if you mentioned this on your on your live stream, but you know, guys like Pedersen and Garland, they didn't score uh, show up on the score sheet, but they did. They played well when it comes to possession and things like that. They had a solid game, good enough. Mm-hmm. They were good enough. Honestly, what yeah. stood out to me was, was JT Miller and Brock Besser. Yeah, uh, the two of them looked fantastic together. Uh, they were playing really well. Uh, I made the analogy on my uh, on my on my show that it looked like they were just sort of dragging Jason Dickinson around out there. He looked a full step behind, not even a half step behind. He didn't look great, but excuse me, Miller and Besser were excellent tonight, um, and they really sort of led the way. I think. Yeah, kind of like if you and Geo were on a line with me. I think uh, that's what it would look like. I, of course, I'm the Dickinson. Um, how about Luke Shen's twelve hits? What about that? Twelve hits? Uh, is that a record or is thirteen the record? All I know is that it matched what the Canucks did as a team on Saturday night, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Luke Shen, 12 hits and a goal. Big yep. night for him. The empty netter almost made the mistake that got the Blackhawks back in at the end there. Uh, had that pinch in the offensive zone. Uh, a little aggressive with 45 seconds to go when you're up by a goal, but he went yep. for it, failed. Three on two the other way. Canucks only have one D-man back and a forward. Uh, but again, they played it really well. They kept everything to the outside. Uh, and then Luke Shen blocks a Patrick Kane shot and fires at dead center 190 yeah. feet. Guys can't even shoot that accurately from the faceoff circle in front of the net, let alone the one at the far end. That was very impressive. Yeah, uh, excellent uh, from Luke Shen. Uh, he was fantastic. Honestly, though, Quinn Hughes, again, uh, yeah. he's just so good. I, every single game I watch him, like I, I focus on him for a while, and I'm like, yeah, it's not fair. Like there's, there's battles where he just sort of takes the pucks, gets away from the guy and you're looking like, Oh, he's seven feet away from him now. <laughs> like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know where that distance came from. Uh, but he's just for a 22 year old to just yeah. be so, so smart and think so far ahead and just be able to create that separation, be so calm about all of it is insane. Parker, I remember going to one of those summer showcase or summer showdowns or whatever, where they bring in the prospects before yeah. they played a pro game. And I took one simple video of him doing pivots at center ice, but racing against another guy. I don't even know who it was. Yeah. And even then, his edge work and the way he moved, it was crazy because it, you could see, even as a, whatever he was, 17 or 18 year old, just how good he was, or maybe 18 or 19 if he just got yeah. drafted. Yeah. Um, crazy. Yeah. Beautiful. A great game. Uh, yeah. Penalty kill goes two for two. Yeah. Apparently they've gone 13 in a row without allowing a goal, which is crazy because they went like f- six games in a row with allowing goals. Yeah. Uh, so a good bounce back from that. But honestly, uh, just a good overall game. And Halak played great, except for that one goal. Yeah, he was fine. You know, and I, I was in the car on the way home from dinner. And then I came in and I said to my son, Sean, what happened? And Sean goes, maybe he it was almost like a change up like connor murphy wound up and the puck didn't really go that fast ultimately yeah it was a fine shot it was yeah i think they said it was like 78 miles an hour oh which is, okay which it looked is, that fast. it's fine okay. yeah. yeah um it just it, it just went between the glove and the body and he just sort of missed it um which is unfortunate and i must say i know we want to move quickly tonight but uh, one thing we mentioned the penalty kill great we got to mention the power play though another offer yeah Exactly. They, yeah. they, they go over four on the power play and they keep continuing to struggle to score, right? They score two goals basically tonight. Uh, if you ignore the empty netter, which I think <laughs> is fair, uh, they score zero goals last game. They scored five goals against the jets, but in the games before that they scored two, one, one goals. So <laughs> they're, they've had one game out of their last six where they've had more than two goals. 
yeah. which isn't good enough. The Canucks, they, they showed a stat uh, in the game against the Jets, and they're like 14-1-1 when they score three times, which isn't that high of a number. No. <laughs> the thing is, yeah. the Canucks goaltending is so good that if they, as long as they score three goals, most of the time they're winning, right? Like I yeah. said, 14-1-1 with three goals. So you, they just need to score more goals. I'm sure Demko and Halak and even Martin, they're just begging, pleading them to pop a couple for him. <laughs> yeah, their life would be so much easier. I mean, they like think about think about how hard Demko has to work because he can only allow yeah. one goal a night. If he was able to allow two goals a night, it'd be half the work. Half that's the how work. math works, right? <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. All right. Uh let's quit let's touch on those other games that we sort of just mentioned. Uh the last yeah. we're going in backwards order. Uh Saturday they lost one nothing to the Flames. I don't want to talk about this game. No. Nope. Uh, my mom told me be, yeah, don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. 15 shots on goal and just a a waste of of everyone's Saturday night. Uh but before that they beat the Jets 5 to 1. That was fun. That was. That was a good game. Uh it was again, it was it didn't feel super exciting. Uh, yeah. Canucks just sort of Canucks just outplayed Winnipeg. Uh, they, well, they, yeah. they played pretty well and, and scored a bunch of goals. What was exciting was seeing if JT Miller could win that save on food shop or a million dollars. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. I think he kind of, he got a little late. I think he might've had a Daryl in his ear uh, saying, <laughs> Hey, 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 we don't have that kind of money. All right. Uh, we, that's, that's a lot of <laughs> eggs. We got to sell if we're, if we're giving away a million bucks. So I know uh, five goals is a million. I didn't know that four was 10,000. It's a hundred thousand. Oh, hundred thousand. That's even yeah, well. That's I, even way better. It didn't used to be. It, I think like okay. maybe like five years ago they put that in, but it used to oh, okay. just be a million for five goals. Okay. Uh, and then people were like, "Well, what's the point? No one ever does that." Uh, so they they added the little extra tier for some excitement. Yeah, Miller was great. Th- three goals in a row, and then he potted another assist. So a four point night, and it's him. And uh, that was Spencer Martin's first win, right? That was the, also the big first win line. ever in the wow. nhl i think it's his like sixth or seventh game fifth game one of those mm-hmm. um and the, the crazy thing is like he came in to the canucks with like his historic his historical save percentage wasn't great right i think coming into this year uh, i have it pulled up here uh except nhl.com isn't loading there we go um his previous seasons uh so he played three games in 2016-17 for the avalanche he had an 865 in those three games and a 4.35 goals against average. This mm. year, he's played three games. He has a 9.58 and a 1.59. So his career averages are now a 9.16 and just under three goals against. Uh, still only one win, though. Wow, wow. And it's, uh, you know, it's what's crazy about that game. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, after the game, I'm not sure if uh, you might have been streaming, but Boudreaux was saying right away he was he was quelling. He, he was pouring the, the water in any fire of any goaltending controversy. He said, no. This isn't going to be our backup this year. We still have yeah. Halak and Demko, and it's going to be great. He's going to do great in Abbotsford. Boom, end of story. Yeah, he's yeah. he's going to be a really valuable piece for Abbotsford the way he's been playing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I going back to tonight's game, I like that they had Halak in for this one because uh, yeah. it's Chicago, right? It, it's a team that they should beat. And I, I don't know if the thought was, well, let's get Demko in the tougher game against Nashville, which is mm-hmm. tomorrow, um, or if it was just, hey, Halak hasn't played in a while because he's been out. Uh, yeah. either way, uh, I kind of like that move. Yeah. And I have to go back, uh, Parker and think about this, but I, I remember another back to back where it's the same thing where Halak was coming off a major layoff. And I remember, I don't know if it was green or Boudreaux. They put Halak in the first one of the back to back, regardless mm-hmm. of team, because they didn't want him sitting yet another night kind of thing. So regardless, it makes sense though. Beat the easier team with your backup. And now you have your better goalie against the better team. And 
best chance to come out with two wins, right? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, and then last Tuesday, uh, Edmonton loses or Edmonton beats yes. the Canucks three two in overtime. Uh, I I don't really remember this game anymore. I think I've yeah, blocked I, it out. I looked it up because I, I knew you're going cre- uh, like running from your other stream. So I looked this up for this particular moment. That was when PD scored by coming uh, from the neutral zone. That wrist shot. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then Mott scored on that beautiful shorthanded goal when Miller saved that uh, that Connor McDavid tip in. Right. Awesome. And then they got the two in the third period. Yeah. So I pulled up my notes and my main note is the Canucks got fully outplayed and allowed 50 shots. (laughs) That that part too. (laughs) Shots were nine, one in overtime. Uh Uh, Oh, and there's also the embellishment penalty that game, which cracked me up. Um, Yeah. yeah, That was, that was a rough game. The Canucks stole a point from that one. They got, they got thoroughly outplayed. They steal a point. And over the course of this week, which didn't feel like a good week for the Canucks, because they they lost two of the three games coming into tonight. We look at the the last you know seven days, and the Canucks get six out of a possible eight points. And I think you actually nailed it. I think you said two zero oh, and two, and I said two one and one. I do uh, think I said that because it's correct. So I'm, that must have been what I said. <laughs> yeah, because and I remember said no, they're going to at least lose one of them. So no, that's good. We um, you predicted the six points, and overall that's not bad. It, it didn't look good in Calgary, but. The win tonight certainly helps. Yeah, it's unfortunate the teams they lost to in overtime are Calgary and Edmonton, right? So, yeah. so that doesn't help. Uh, Canucks playoff chances did go down this week. Um, at the start of the week, they were around the, I think, 17% mark or so. They were at 10% coming into tonight, at least per the athletic. Um, I think they'll go up a little bit tonight. Anaheim got a point. Edmonton got a point yeah. Yeah. tonight. Um, but I think I think the win will move the Canucks up a little bit. Game against Nashville tomorrow uh, could be a, a good little bump going into the all-star break, though. Yeah, too bad none of the Pacific teams are playing against Florida tonight. Didn't that guy have six points or something? <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, you said that guy because you don't know who it was. Yeah. Because because it was, I think, Montembeau, was it? Or is that a goalie? Sure. Who, Starts uh, with an M. Marshmint. Marshmint. Mar- Mason, Marsh- March- Mason Marshmint. So not Brad Marchand, not Mason McTavish, Mason Marchment. Mason Marchment, Marchment, <laughs> who has played 57 career games with 28 points. Uh, and yeah, tonight he gets uh, six, two goals, four assists for six points. He was a plus six, six shots on goal. Uh, wow. That's crazy. Uh, Dickinson's so jealous, man, right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's more points than Dickinson has this year, isn't it? That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So Florida, Florida is so, so good. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So that takes us to some other stuff about the Canucks. Yeah. We are wrapping up at about eight 50 tonight. Cause I do have to run. So about 35 minutes left. So make sure you tell your friends to get in here quick. Um, one of the bigger stories from tonight, at least early in the game, Vasily Podkolzin, a healthy scratch for, I think, the first time in his career. Is it? Yeah, uh, I think actually, so. No, I think Green. He... Oh, you I know what? Yeah, Travis Green probably did sit him for a game. That sounds yeah. like something he'd do. <laughs> I think he sat uh, him once. Yeah. Okay, so Podkolzin, a scratch. Your initial <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, and you know the first thing you think of is COVID. Then right away, reporters were saying, no, it's not protocol related. And I think Bruce Boudreau, after the game, said it, it was just – there's nothing wrong with giving a young guy a chance to watch the game, maybe observe, see something. And obviously you're not getting scratched if you're, if the coach is completely pleased. So there's method to Boudreaux's madness, but um, 
I'm not going to say the Canucks only won. I'm, I'm sure they would have won if Podkolzin was in the lineup. But if this hasn't come back hungrier and he comes in for a Dowling or a Chase on or whoever it is, then fine. I, I, I think in the big scheme of things, this is not a big deal. At least it isn't to me. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I I, yeah. I honestly didn't care all that much. If the Canucks had <laughs> lost this game one nothing, yeah. I would have been kind of mad. But Chase on scored a goal, <laughs> which I didn't have on my bingo card. Um, <laughs> it's a nice goal too. I, yeah, I never will. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I wish that he like he's he's in a bit of a slump, right? He hasn't scored yeah. in ten. I think he has three points in his last fifteen. Yeah. Uh, he he's slumping a bit. Uh, whether he needs a reset or just whether it's a mental thing or whatever it ends up being, uh, hopefully this gets him a bit closer to what he can be. It's funny, Miller and Besser they played with. Huglander, then they played with Pod Colson, and now they played with Dickinson. They're probably just give us someone, uh, a guy who can score with us. <laughs> yeah, it's not Dickinson uh, from what we saw tonight. That was that was not it. Um, the biggest stuff going on, though, is obviously trade rumors. And it's a bit early for that because trade deadline just under two months away. But yep. with the Canucks bringing in an entirely new front office that has not seen this team really, right? They're not attached to anyone in this team. They aren't the ones that brought any of these players in, you know, Connor Garland's name floating around. And, and, you know, that was, that wasn't the guy they brought in, right? They don't have any attachment to it. They don't care what they paid for him. They want to know if they can get value for him. So we now have guys like, um, Patrick Alvin being named the Canucks general manager. Um, I guess let's go all the way back to, Wednesday was he sure named? I think he was named the GM was it Tuesday night yeah Tuesday night the, during the Oilers game because it got leaked <laughs> and then he had the uh the press conference the following morning uh what did yes. you think of his press conference I thought he was fine I thought he was very um humble articulate very respectful very Swedish yeah <laughs> exactly he was <laughs> very knowledgeable about the city about our history about our relationship with Swedes like the Sedins and um, to me, he said all the right things. And uh, th- I, this isn't meant to be, you know, uh, Powell on Benning and his um, his communication skills. But Rutherford is a very clear and sharp and direct communicator. Alvin, maybe not as strong a communicator as Rutherford, but you certainly believe what Alvin is saying as well. And he's not giving anyone the runaround, but he doesn't have anything to run around with anyways. He just got here. I thought it was yeah. fine as an introductory. And I love, and I think we're going to get to this. I love how they both, especially Rutherford pointing out, you can't be a cap team and be this far out of the playoff race. And that's kind of sets the table for what they're going to do over the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially you have guys like Stan Smeal today, even saying things like that. Right. And he was part of the previous thing. Yeah. Maybe a reluctant part of the, <laughs> of the previous, uh, the previous regime. And they, they've definitely, they've, they've um they foreshadowed their hand a little bit right yes where they they basically said hey we are a cap team that isn't a playoff team mm-hmm. um and the thing is look if they trade cap the whole halak thing i think becomes a non-issue right yeah because if they can pay halak's uh, bonuses from this year's cap then next year doesn't matter mm-hmm. um so there's sort of a little bonus from that um mm. so they are now looking at i mean basically everyone's on the table and in my opinion everyone should always kind of be on the table if you're always looking to get better. Yes, I agree with you. And I think Parker, it's a perfect storm of four things up against the cap, new management out of the playoffs and some decent contracts in Miller and Garland, especially. So why not keep everything on the table? It doesn't mean that they're going to trade all these guys in one fell swoop, 
But if you want to improve your team, you have to not be stubborn. You have to be open. Um, and I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And you make the best point about there's no loyalty. They're not the ones who brought in Ekman Larson and Garland and anyone, name anyone. They, they weren't here. So unless it's your name's PD, Hughes, Demko, maybe Horvat, you're probably um, at least getting considered at least. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. do we want to talk about who do you want to talk about first? If we're talking about some trade, not speculation, but yeah, you know how willing we are to maybe move some of these people. Do you Let's start talk? with Connor Garland. Cause he's, he's the, he's the most recent name on the block. Sure. So this one was kind of surprising when it, uh, when it first came around that, Hey, maybe they're looking to Garland. And I think, uh, it was, was it Friedman who sort of had the first little, uh, little, you know, push in that direction. Yeah, Saturday um, night. Yeah. And I think, so here's the, here's the thing. Here's the reasons not to trade Connor Garland. He's only 25. He's mm -hmm. cost controlled for four years, I think. Yeah. Four more. Yeah. Yeah. Four, yeah. So four more. Um, yep. and yeah, under $5 million and he is a very, very good and very fun to watch agile, uh, dangerous hockey player. Mm -hmm. Why so give, should the Canucks right. trade him? So the Canucks would trade him, not saying they will, but they would trade him if they, he's not a Rutherford type of player. If they find he's too small, although we find that exciting, he might not be their type of player. Um, and he, yeah, he's small and, but he's not the fastest guy ever. He's quick, but he's not burner speed. So maybe mm. they want a different type of player going up and down their wing. That would be reasons to consider moving him. Right. Some other things is he hasn't played as well, like at least stat wise as he did in Arizona last year, mm -hmm. uh, last year he had 39 points in 49 games this year. He has 15 less points in 40 games. So only nine fewer games. So he's oh, not putting up he's not putting up the numbers that he was last year. Um, and so you have to wonder if um, you have to wonder what this front office thinks of Connor Garland. If they think of Connor Garland as, hey, last year is something that he's going to build off of and he's going to be a 60, 65 point player, then maybe they lean more towards keeping him. If they are of the mind that, hey, we think Connor Garland is a 50 point guy, but these other teams see him as a 70 point guy we think we can extract some value from that because they're willing to pay more than what we would be willing to give up for mm. Connor Garland. Right. So it's all about value. Um, and if they think they can extract value from Connor Garland and, yeah. and you know, I, I think he'd be a valuable piece uh, then that's sort of the reason I think they'd go there. Mm -hmm. But I don't, okay. he's not my first pick to trade though. No, me neither. Me neither. So friends in the chat, as we go on to the next player, Simply yes or no, not will the Canucks move Connor Garland, but should they consider moving him? We'd love to see what you guys think. Just a simple yes or no. And who should we go on to next, Parker? Well, I think the obvious one is JT Miller, right? <laughs> and his his stocks are going up with that uh, with that hat trick uh, against the Jets uh, a few days ago. Um, man, I again, I love JT Miller. And tonight was another great example of that. He is a big reason the Canucks won tonight. Stayed off the score sheet. Uh, yeah. But that, but him and Besser together were generating a lot, especially they were playing with Quinn Hughes a lot. Uh, the, the three of them were working very well together. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can make players like Jason Dickinson to someone who maybe isn't paying that much attention to the game is just saying, oh, that line's doing really well. You can make Jason Dickinson look pretty good. Um, the problem is it's, it's just, it's all about cup. It's all about cup window, right? Mm -hmm. 
if the Canucks start to contend, let's say two years from now, and maybe their cup window is another year from that, right? Because normally teams make the playoffs for a year or two, get knocked out in the first or second round, and then they make that big push, right? Look at like Washington, where they basically missed their cup window and they had one little spike and they came back in it. Um, if the Canucks, if it takes them like three or four kicks at a can to be contenders, we're talking about a 31, 32-year-old JT Miller who mm-hmm. is probably making eight and a half, nine like he's making a lot of money um and it's probably on a long-term deal it's probably on a seven or eight year contract i would imagine maybe six uh because he demand he'll demand that right so if if we're talking about a guy who is maybe let's let's say eight million dollars to resign uh and let's say seven years right so you have to resign him until he's like 37 uh at eight million dollars that might be good value for the first two or three years and barely Uh, but very quickly you're going to be running into those issues of, you know, a guy who's well on the decline, like a Louis Erickson. Uh, remember, remember how many points Louis Erickson had when the Canucks signed him. Um, and you know, you get that Mm -hmm. decline and and things are, things are a little rough there. Yep. I like your number of 8 million Parker. I've seen and heard that, especially when PD is making 7.35 and Miller's outpointing them by almost 15 points or 15 points or so. So whether it's, yeah, long-term six or seven or even five, even five, it still seems long. But you're right. He's going to be going for his last home run contract, his last chance to make a lot of money. And Miller, we love him. We love so many mm-hmm. things about him. But he doesn't scream, I love Vancouver, like all over his chest. So right. I, I don't think he's going to be taking any type of hometown discount. or You know what I mean? Not hometown, but to stay. Wow. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about this for the last three weeks. What a what an asset to get. If you get him for this year, you have him at two years at 5.25 for two playoff runs. So good. Yeah, he is. I keep saying he is the one of the best value contracts in the NHL. Yeah. And if you're if you want a playoff rental, he is he is the dream uh, for a mm-hmm. playoff rental. Uh, and for because of that, the Canucks should be able to command an absolute ransom uh, for him. Uh, he yes. should be extremely valuable. And, you know, we're talking about you know, if we're talking about a long-term contract, that is a really good way to shorten a cup window, right? If the Canucks mm-hmm. were to, you know, if the Canucks are saying, well, we want to win a Stanley Cup and we think JT Miller is a big piece of that, we're going to give him this money for a lot of years. Well, the problem is if years four, five, six, and seven, he is underperforming that contract in a cap world. Uh, what I, what I'd like to go back to is the the best team in the NHL is usually whatever team's getting the most out of the cap because every team gets the same amount of money to spend. So the best yeah. you can do with that money, uh, the the better team you'll make. Unless, of course, you're Ottawa or Arizona, where you just don't have real money, so the cap doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so if they're if they're overpaying guys, like they're already going to be overpaying all of Reckman Larson at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. They're I guess Myers will probably be almost done by then. Uh, maybe one, the last year of Tyler Myers contract, they'll be overpaying for at that point, unless they can find ways out of those. Uh, and then you add, you know, if JT Miller's playing still well, and maybe like a four and a half million dollar player, but you're paying him eight. Well, there's another three and a half off the cap that you're struggling with. When in, on the other hand, you could have these younger, you know, if, if you go out and get a 21 year old, you know, maybe defenseman, uh, maybe he's making you know almost no money because he's a younger player as an RFA, but bringing in more positive value. Yes, yes, yes. And what's the first thing the Sedin said when they came here? They said they want players who can outplay their contract. And Miller, mm-hmm. right now, he's outplaying his contract. Oh, by next a mile. year, yeah, next year he'll outplay his contract. But Parker, there's gonna be a time 
in year two or year three of that new five, six, seven year deal where it's going to flip and where he's not outplaying his contract. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. You're whether you use the term stuck or saddled, but you're now stuck with that contract for the remainder of that contract when you want to be a contender. And that's why, that's why they're considering it. They're not saying they're going to yeah. do it, but that's why they're considering it. And that's when it becomes a negative asset, right? Yes. Right now, JT Miller is the peak of positive assets. Uh, the athletic does these player cards. And one of the things they do <laughs> is their actual salary and their market value based on the way they're playing right now, JT Miller, $5.25 million salary. He is playing as if he was as his market value. If he was a UFA right now is $8.4 million. So he is generating wow. basically $3 million of positive value. And the Canucks top end is a lot like this, right? Horvat mm -hmm. uh, is a market value around $6 million. So a, a bit of a, a bit of positive value. Yep. They have Brock Besser at a market value of 7.9 million. He's only making 5.9. Apparently Tanner Pearson is, is, is a positive value right now. The way he's playing. Believe uh, it. <laughs> Pedersen is apparently right on the money at 7.4. Yeah. Um, Connor Garland is 8.3 million market value and he's only making five. That seems a little high to me, but Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's fine by me. And, uh, and Jason Dickinson is negative. Mm -hmm. Jason Dickinson mm -hmm. is playing like a $0.9 million player. Uh, <laughs> He's going to give some of his money back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Yuho Lamico is literally a negative. <laughs> so well, that's because he was negative $100,000. Well, they have the wrong name on him. You change it to, you know, John Pond. John Pond. Yes. Yeah. He's going to see it right the, Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's because they don't like Europeans. That's, okay. That's let's move on. Okay. So Miller, we, we've kind of laid out the reasons why, why well, we, many reasons why the reason why not to is because everything that he, everything that he is, he plays in every He's situation a fantastic player. Yeah, and leader on and off the ice, all those things. Oh, by the way, did we talk about this already when we, um, or I think I was talking to, no, maybe it was us when Bruce Boudreaux called JT Miller, like the heartbeat or the pulse of the room. Do you think that's an insult to Horvat or is that just, it's good. You have another leader along. I don't think it's Horvath. an insult to Horvat at all. Okay. okay. Uh, I, cause that's not, that's not Horvat's style, right? Horvat okay. is a much more the quiet sort of stoic leader, but then yeah. when he gets excited or gets animated, you know, it's serious, right? Uh, yes. I mean, you think back to, you know, the, his goal against the blues in the playoffs, right? Again, pretty quiet, hardworking guy. And when he pops off with a celebration, it's like, Oh, he cares. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the kind of leader he is. Well, JT Miller is much more, um, much more open about his emotion, I would say, right? He's he's very animated, whether in a negative fashion or a positive fashion. That's just who he is, right? Love it or hate it. Personally, I love it. Um, you know, I, I think that's what makes him the heartbeat of his team because he always wears his heart on his sleeve. And I, I think, you know, people always know how he feels. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Any other names you want to go to here? Well, I guess the other big one is, is Besser. That's the last one, I guess. Uh, yeah, and Besser's a weird one because his name has sort of been floated for years yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and again, a lot of it comes down to whether or not Brock Besser is playing, is the player that you hope he is, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we Brock Besser was always supposed to be, you know, 30 goal scorer. Uh, and he's, he's not getting there, right? He's yeah. on pace right now, uh, we're at 23 goals ish, I think, hmm. uh, which is fine. He's on pace for maybe 24, 25, which is, is fine and good, but he's on pace to be like a, a 50 point player. Um, right. and again, probably a very valuable piece. Uh, it's whether or not, again, it all comes down to the salary cap. I think if you, if the Canucks were to go out and trade a JT Miller or a Connor Garland, 
And then I don't think they trade Besser because I mm -hmm. think I, I think they've they've suddenly cleared up, you know, five million dollars of cap space that pays for the Halak bonus. Um, you know, you gotta it's it's not a great solution, um, yeah. but it clears up at least a little bit, and then maybe they don't go the the Besser route. Problem is you gotta pay Brock Besser again this year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, end of the season, and he's going to get a raise. Whether or not you think he's worth that raise, that sort of depends yeah. on if you make that move. If you think he's going to be worth that seven million dollars that he gets paid, then mm -hmm. then you then you keep him, then you pay him. If you don't think so, then you try to get some assets for it. And this one's interesting, Parker, because I know a lot of people they, they look at Besser's age and they say he's only what is he 23, 23 or twenty four? Twenty four. Okay, so he's Same pretty young. Okay, 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 yeah, really young then. Thanks for reminding me. So <laughs> he's, he's really young. he's three months older than me. Okay, so he's a baby basically, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he still has his best years ahead of him. We've seen glimpses of what he can do. So there are a lot of people, Parker, in this market who say you can't give up on a guy like that. We with his pure goal scoring talent, bit streaky as we've talked about. He's got the hardest passes I've ever seen. He passes as hard as he shoots, but his his hockey IQ is strong. His effort level is generally really good. All those things. But then is he ever going to pan out to be the guy that we want him to be, the guy that we saw glimpses of in his rookie year? I don't know. It's so challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like I, him. I, I like him a lot. And I don't, I don't think the Canucks want to trade away players that they draft. Every GM gets a little stubborn that way. It's almost a, a small admission of failure. It, it isn't, but they might look at it that way. Yeah. So you're right. If, if one of Miller or Garland gets traded first, I do not see them trading Besser. I agree. Um, yeah. and again, I love Brock Besser, right? He's, he's so like when he scores, it's sick. He's a, he's a, he's a very good hockey player, yeah. uh, having a bit of a down year this year, but a yeah. lot of people were having down years. Um, right. and I think, I think he's as good of a candidate for a bounce back as anybody, uh, to be honest. I mean, last year, what, what was he on pace for? Yeah, he, he was, was on good. pace. He was on pace for 34 goals last year. Yeah. He scored 23 yeah. and 56. Um, yeah. so, you know, if he's, a, if he's a 30 goal scorer, I, I think that's a lot of value. Um, and a big part of it, I mean, he's playing, he's been like Elias Pettersson has been playing well, right. Mm -hmm. For most of the year, if he's out there playing with an Elias Pettersson, who's playing his best game, then Brock Besser probably has, you know, 18 goals at this point or something like that. Right, right, right. So I have a question for you. We only have to qualify him at his last year of his contract. Cause he's under the old rules at 7.5. That's only if we can't, we can still negotiate with them outside of that, correct? Or do you, right. do you have to do that first? So the way it works is you can, they can negotiate anything they want with them up yep. until the RFA deadline, which I yep. think is, I think it's July 1st, or I think it's whatever free agency is, or maybe the week before free agency or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so the qualifying offer has to be, I, I would imagine it's, it has to be one year at that number. Right. So they yes, could say, Hey, we'll give you one year at 7.5 or whatever that number is. Uh, yes. Is it 7.5? Was the, it is 7.5. Seven seven okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they could say, Hey, we'll give you one year at 7.5. That's your qualifying offer. Now we yeah. retain your RFA rights, right? They have to right. present them with that offer. They can also not give him that offer. And then he's a UFA. Right. Um, the other option, they could present him that say, Hey, we, you are qualified. Here's your one by 7.5. Mm -hmm. Also, here is a five by 6.5 or something right, right? And, and you know he can choose uh so he has every right to sign that one-year deal um but he'd still be an rfa after that um because he'd mm -hmm. still only be 26 to that point um right. so he'd have one more year of rfa um but 
yeah, so they could just say, okay, we're going to qualify this, but we can, they could, they have until then to negotiate anything else right. that they want. So you could offer them a five times seven prior to that RFA deadline, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. And then they could just, they would just offer them a one by 7.5 at the same time. Um, uh, or, or they would offer them one. Yeah. So they could, if they didn't want to give them that one year contract, they could say, yeah, here's five by seven or 5.6 by five by yep. 6.5. And then on RFA deadline day, they present him with the qualifying offer. Right. Uh, which means they retain his rights until. Because if you don't qualify year. him, then you lose him for nothing, which would be really UFA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because some other team will pay him that. Yes. 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 Okay. Great. So Garland, Miller, Besser, we'll watch mm -hmm. them all. Uh, I saw a fun comment uh, from fifth line center saying trading Miller would be the, we give up of the season. I think trading any of these guys probably would be, are we there yet? Yes. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. I agree with that comment. No, we're not there just yet, but uh, yeah, it's nice to win two, lose two, win one, lose one, but we're not really making up a lot of ground in the standings as you kind of hinted at too, when other teams are picking up single points as well. Yeah, we, we still got to go 11 games over 500 in the last 37. That's that's a tall task. Do you remember, I think it was four years ago, uh, the St. Louis Blues went into the trade deadline. Uh, Doug Armstrong, their, Doug Armstrong, their GM, uh, mm. went into the trade deadline. The Blues were in a playoff spot, and he traded away one of his – I don't remember who it was, but he, he basically traded away a player for a first-round pick. And he said, he's like, yep, we're a playoff team. We're not a Stanley Cup contender right now. So hmm. why would we, we don't like, why would we use him? Who is basically a rental at this point when yeah. we can gain an accent or an accent, uh, an asset, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and make a, and, and maybe use that asset to make a push either next year or the year after, yeah. um, a very forward thinking move. And again, I don't think the Canucks are in a place where they should be giving up on the season, but they also need to be realistic with themselves, right? The Canucks aren't winning the Stanley cup this year, right? If you go on a sports book right now, you're probably looking at, you know, 200 to one odds, 100 to one odds. And I think even then the, the sports books taking your money for that. Um, <laughs> so at that point, you know, you have to sort of look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, yeah, we could make the playoffs and maybe we make the second round, but th there's no way we get all the way. So yeah. maybe we trade an asset and, and, and try to pick something up. Now Miller's an interesting one, because if you think you're going to contend next year, then maybe you don't make that move. Um, yes, but some other players, you know, um, then it's, it's, it's a really weird argument and it's a weird thing because you do essentially have to give up when you have a shot. And that's what St. Louis did a few years ago and they won the cup like one or two years later. Mm -hmm. And two things you said there, Parker, that, that really stand out to me. One of them is you're right. We've talked about this. Miller's got two seasons left. So you technically could hold on to him, see how you do next year. And maybe his asking price is even bigger. Probably not, but at least it's going to be close to. So there's no one saying that you have to make a decision on Miller this year, although you might want to pull the trigger. The other thing that you said was um, for every person that points to St. Louis from three years ago and says, oh, but they were in last place in January and they won the cup. For every person who says that, that's that's kind of the exception, not the rule, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the most that, dangerous yeah. things to happen I know. Yes, is yes. When, when these one-offs happen. And teams like, okay, well, this is our model now. Now we just got to, that was Jim Benning's idea. It was like, hey, if we just get in, anything can happen. Yeah. But not really because, yeah, anything can happen. As in, you're going to have to go on a crazy run and beat Colorado, then Nashville, then St. Louis, and then <laughs> Tampa Bay. Right? Like, Easy. sure, it could happen, but the odds are so low. 
right? Yeah. That that it's not worth the risk. It's not worth losing JT Miller for nothing to get that shot at probably getting knocked out in five games in the first round. Yeah. Can you put up Kai's? Uh, I know we're not into questions yet, but can you put up Kai's? I, it's such a good point. Do you find as fans, we are too attached to our players? This team is constructed poorly and has major cap flaws. How are we supposed to get better without training anybody with value? And we've talked about this before, Parker, where it comes to... Um, you overvalue your own players when we're talking about, Oh, we can get this for this guy, or we can get this for that. No, it's very rare that we can get that because we have emotional attachments and it's natural. And it's kind of what Kai's getting at there, which I fully agree with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm too attached to our players. Yeah. Right. I don't want, I don't want them to trade Brock Besser. Yeah. Brock Besser so sick. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, and I, and I have two Brock Besser jerseys and uh, like, you know, and you, you get attached to these players and, Social media is a really big piece of this because we mm. get the sort of little behind the scenes clips of them like playing soccer before the game or or like the the hugs between Pedersen and Besser when one of them scores. And you're like, that's a <laughs> that's something that matters to us. And yeah. we're losing that. The yes. other thing is we're also gaining something in return. That's that's harder to see in the short term. Um, uh, Aliyah saying that I was the player I was talking about was Paul Stastny. They got four assets from him. Uh, Paul Stastny trade. Let's see. Um, oh wow. man, that they trade. He got traded again a couple months ago, so it's really hard to to find the right one. Uh, trade blues. From, from blues. You got it. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, they got Eric Foley, who was a forward prospect, who I don't think panned out. Uh, they also got a first rounder um, and a fourth. Okay. So yeah, okay. they traded away Paul Stastny, a really good player, uh, yeah. in a year they were going to be a playoff team. Uh, yeah. to get more assets and then they could use those assets the following year to trade for a different player or whatever they want to do. Wow. Yes. And that, and when JT Miller, he's the top of the trade board, so to speak, people will be talking about three or four assets from him. Hot. Yeah. First round pick prospect one or, or two prospects and one roster, roster player. player. That's, that's Which a whole, that's a huge return, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing is you can get a lot because these are teams that the thing is, if you're looking at, if you have maybe three teams that want JT Miller, right? There's not only the incentive of, Hey, if we make the move for this guy, we get JT Miller. You know what else happens? The other two teams don't, yeah. right? If you're a team that's looking to win the Stanley cup, let's say you're a Colorado, right? you want to break through and win that cup, but mm -hmm. maybe Florida is also trying to get this player. And you're thinking, man, if we go up against Florida in the cup finals, it's either we have them or they do. So yes. maybe, so it's, it's a bidding war, right? Yep. Um, so you can get extra value there and, and rentals are, you know, they're a real good way to pick up some value, right? I mean, look at yeah. Thomas Vanek. We got Tyler Mott for him. Uh, and, and everyone thought like, Oh, who's Tyler Mott? He's excellent for us. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to maximize value and hoard and sort of keep a, a prospect pool going. Cause the Canucks don't really have a prospect pool right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was just going to lead into. Our last first round pick was Vasily Podkolzin because we did not have a first round pick in 2020. We did not have a first round pick in 2021. So you you bet that Jim Rutherford is going to be looking to acquire Patrick Alvin acquire picks as opposed to trading them out. How do you acquire picks by trading your current player? So there's going to be some tough decisions as Stan Smeal, as you alluded to, Parker, that Smeal was talking about. But that's how you acquire more picks and prospects is you have to trade good players out. Yeah, so The Athletic does a thing every year. Scott Wheeler there does a, yes. a prospect pool ranking. Uh, I think you already know where the Canucks placed on this because I think you heard it in probably the same place I did. 
the Vancouver Canucks are have in the NHL, according to this, at least it's one person's opinion, but hey, it doesn't sound that off to me. Uh, the Canucks have the number 28th ranked prospect pool, fifth worst in the NHL. And you look at their prospect pool, their number one prospect is Jack Rathbone, who's a 22-year-old defenseman who's Mm -hmm. on the edge of sort of being on the team. But, I mean, he's already 22, right? Like, he's not going to be a number one D-man, right? We know that. Uh, Then it's Klimovich, who was a second-round pick uh, this last year. And then it's Jet Wu, uh, who looks like he might end up being a number six one day. And then it's Mikey DiPietro who hasn't shown much in his NHL time. He hasn't looked great in the AHL this year. And then you're on guys like Yoni Yermo and, yep. and Jacob Truscott yep. uh, and Linus Carlson. Like you're out, you're out. Like that's it. Right. So the only yeah. guys that really have a shot of making it are guys like Jack Rathbone, who might be a three, four, one day uh, mm-hmm. Klimovich who might, might be a top nine player, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jet Wu who might crack the NHL lineup one day. But that's mm-hmm. it. The Canucks don't have any cheap guys coming up. And it's crazy how they're fifth from the bottom where in the same ranking just four or five years ago, they were fourth or fifth from the top because the year after the year they drafted Hughes and P- PD hadn't played yet, your your prospects at that time are Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, right? and, and then and then Jet Wu at that time was actually same year as as Hughes and really highly ranked. So it just shows you how quickly a couple guys graduate to the NHL how quickly that prospect table turns and you're right parker it's uh it's not great <laughs> right and last so last year on those rankings they were number 18 yeah uh and they're one and two were hoagland or pug colson well they're not prospects yep. anymore they're on the team yeah so that that's it right they haven't added anyone new other than yeah. Klimovich. can you go backwards more or no more like it, it went uh, i can go back to, to 2020 and they were number 13 i can't yeah go back so they were either. dropping like five or ten every time wow yeah <sighs> All right. Um, we got to wrap up in a couple minutes. I do want to. I do want to just take bring some attention to the Arizona Coyotes, who are going to likely play in a five thousand seat arena for the next three or four years. Uh, how is the NHL allowing this? Because Gary Bettman loves them. He absolutely loves Arizona. I don't know so, why. I don't know. He's so stubborn. Maybe <laughs> we were talking about admissions of failure. Maybe this would be the biggest admission of failure in his eyes. Yeah, I don't well, know. They could he could just move him to. I I was listening to to Alfred and Bruff on Friday, and yeah. I think it was it was Drance on for Bruff, and he was saying he's like, it's like if you put this team in Penticton, they <laughs> would they would genuinely make more money than if they played in this five thousand seat arena uh, at ASU or whatever wherever it's going to be, and he's not wrong. If you had it like the South Oakland Event Center. It's like 6,000, 7,000 seats or whatever it is. You'd sell that out easily if it's an NHL team there every game, yeah. right? The predicting Vs sell it out, uh, which I thought yeah. was really funny. I just I just think this is so dumb. And it hurts the entire league, right? It brings yeah, hockey-related yeah. revenue down, which is going to keep the salary cap lower. It's it's dumb. It Was it Marchand who, who yeah. or some player made a joke about this? I I hate Marchand so much, but he's he's so good on social media. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said I, he's he, like he's like they'll still have to give away like forty five hundred right. tickets or something to sell. And he's out. also the same guy who, when uh, Carolina beat uh, Boston, whipped them. He said, "You're the reason why we're an escrow or something." Yeah, yeah. he's oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I hate him, but he's he's a hilarious person. <sighs> All right, last thing I want to touch on. Yep, Canada won yesterday. Yeah, in World Cup qualifying. God, that was a good game. That was a good sports day yesterday. Uh, just it was fo- all football. Uh, European football, American football, great sports game. Uh, 
let's take let's take like two questions before we wrap up here. That was any, awesome. that, any that caught your eye? Well, just really quickly about that two nothing Canada oh, sure. win. That was beautiful. And then the all six playoff NFL playoff games, the four last week, two this week, all within a touchdown or less. Down the last the second. Amazing. Yeah. The best playoffs you've ever seen in like any sport. It right? just have yes. been absolutely fantastic. Uh go Bengals. Yes. Is that who you want? Yeah. Yeah. I, do you I like them or you just like the singers? I do story? like I do like the Bengals. They were my pick from the start of the playoffs. Uh, wow. And also I don't want an NFC West team to win. Uh, oh, so that is yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. Any of these questions we want to take here? There's some good ones. I think they're like about they were higher up. Ago, though. So I'm scrolling. <laughs> scrolling up. Uh let's see. Um, if you had a good question, copy it and paste it again. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a minute. So <laughs> we have one minute and I want to take one question. Um, da, 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 da. While we're waiting, Tanner, uh, says Clay, oh, yeah. Tanner says, Clay, you're the best. Well, I think that's one of my sons uh, in their screen name, but thank you, Tanner, uh, Sean, uh, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Tanner, speaking of Tanner, put that one up. Spencer Martin or Halak, who has more value? uh oh i think huh. still halak my, my this... i was like oh halak and then i was like mm, well he's more expensive <laughs> yeah uh, the thing is halak is an nhl goalie spencer martin played three really good games yeah halak is proven and uh, and any play i think if you put both guys in front of a playoff contender they're gonna take halak over martin i really do. yeah absolutely yeah. okay all right that's it we have to wrap because i have to run uh thank you guys very much for sticking with us tonight uh, if you enjoyed, hit like. And if you missed any part of it, you can rewind back to the beginning. Uh, you guys know the deal at this point. Subscribe, hit the bell, mm-hmm. all those buttons. Uh, if you, you can also find the podcast version, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast platform you use. Um, just, just search it. Search Canucks After Dark. It's easy. It's, uh, it's free. Uh, Clay, <laughs> any parting words for the night? Well, next Monday, we'll have one Canucks game to talk about and one All-Star game to talk about. Yes, yes. Go Pacific Division. Pacific Division for the Stanley Cup. Number one. Yes. All right. West Thank is you best. Guys. Thank you guys very much uh, for hanging out with us. And uh, we'll see you next week.